Hello everyone, welcome back to Midwest Madness, your true crime cult conspiracy encrypted podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Danielle. And thanks for letting us have last week off. We just had something come up and we were unable to record, but everything's fine, so don't want anyone to think something bad happened. But Nope, we're good. Um, yeah. Now we are back on our really regular schedule. So we will be seeing or you'll be hearing from us every Tuesday. Sorry guys, we're having some issues over here from me. Yeah, not really. She her headphones just aren't working. Which is fine. But um last time I did that we had really funky audio, so I just wanted to get them unplugged. So Oh I got you. Yeah, that's why there's kind of a ruckus. Okay. So. Um anything you want to talk about uh no i think um we got some some ideas on our instagram for uh future podcasts so thank you for sending those in keep sending those in to us folks um one of us will always see them usually me first <laughs> not always though sometimes emily beats me to it but just keep sending us requests we we like to be able to cover topics that you guys suggest so it's kind of it okay um cool well i'm going to tell the story first and okay well, let me see and i'm gonna sit on this pile of blankets that i've created and enjoy the story i don't even know where it is this week well i'm doing two stories two for both in the same state because my first one wasn't as long as i was expecting okay and instead of just starting over i just decided to do two stories that had a little less information okay kind of like the i the iowa one that i did a few yeah. months ago kind of just not as many yeah those were all really short though yeah. so um so i'm gonna go back to south dakota i know we were there not too long ago but that's fine um and i would say both of them are kind of mysteries in a way so are they both unsolved um sort of (laughs) excuse me i don't know it's my turn to be sick so i'm gonna do my best not to cough into the mic sorry um i (coughs) don't really i wouldn't say they're hunts i don't know you'll just have to (laughs) okay that's very listen that's very mysterious to begin with okay so the first story I'm going to be telling you is the story of Tina Marcotte, and her last name is spelled M-A-R-C-O-T-T-E. Marcotte or Marcotte. I've not heard of this one. Um, Tina was a 30-year-old woman uh, who on June 24th, 1994, was working the late shift at a place called Black Hills Molding in Rapid City, South Dakota. Black Hills Molding was a wood processing plant that made things like um, kitchen cabinets. Okay. So, furniture type. Kind of. Yeah. Okay. It's not there anymore, but... um, Around midnight, Tina was walking out ready to head home when she discovered that she had a flat tire on her car. So she decided to call her best friend, Vicki Riddle, to see if she could come pick her up and give her a ride. Um, now, I don't know. This is 1994. Mm. There were, 
I don't think there were cell phones back then, right? If you had a cell phone back then, if they were even a thing, it was like really, really, really rare. Okay, so because our dad had one really early in his career because of all the traveling he did for work, and I don't think he had one quite then. Okay, but um, so she calls her friend Vicky. I'm assuming it must have been like a payphone or something like right at the front of her work. Okay. Um, because she asks her to come pick her up, but then all of a sudden she noticed um another car pulling up, and in the car was a previous coworker of hers, um, who Tina knew, and his name was Tom Cooter. Uh, Tom used to work as a forklift driver at Black Hills Molding, so um. He offered to give her a ride home instead of Vicky having to come pick her up. Okay. Um, the next morning, so she had to be close enough to be able to see who was in the car and also be on the phone at the same time. Yeah. So, the next morning, Tina's living boyfriend, Patrick Gleason, visited Vicky to let her know that Tina never made it home the night before and asked if she had seen or heard from her. Vicky mentioned that events of the night before and they went to seek out Tom, the old co-worker um, to see what he had to say. Mm. Uh, when they talked to Tom though, he denied being anywhere near Black Hills molding the night before. At this point, Vicky and Patrick went to the police and reported Tina missing. Obviously the first thing that the police did was went and found Tina's car, which was still in the parking lot of Black Hills Molding, and they did notice that it did have a flat tire, but the reason for the flat tire was that it had been slashed with a knife. I was wondering. Yeah. Um, the next thing that they wanted to do was talk to Tom, obviously, because he was supposedly, according to Tina, yeah, the last person to see her alive. Or see her, I should say. Um, Okay. They wanted to hear about what Tom had done the night before. So Tom told him he had been to a softball game that night. Then he drove to a friend's house. And either on the way to the friend's house or leaving, I couldn't really tell which in my sources. Okay. Tom's car broke down and he spent almost four hours trying to repair it. There were, of course, no witnesses who were able to corroborate this story. That's not a good look. Tom's wife, Nancy, did tell the police that Tom did not call her the previous night to tell her about his car troubles. But again, if there was no phone. Yeah. I mean, we can't really use that. I guess against him, unless he had, he would have had to like walk to find a phone, I think. Yeah. Um, unless he had a car phone. Right, but I'm assuming he didn't. Probably not. Yeah. Because like those were, again, spendy. She also said he came home around 3.30 a.m. and started washing his clothes, including his shoelaces. Now, obviously... Again, not a good look. Yeah, none of this is looking <laughs> good for Tom. So the next thing police did was search his car. Now, three days after Tina's disappearance, the police came to Tom's new workplace and told him that they had found blood in his car and that they were currently testing it. And the very next morning, um, Tom was found dead. His co-workers at Forest Products Distributors noticed he was missing during the shift change at 9 a.m. 
They began searching for him and found his body soon after. He was still at work and his head been, had been crushed under a forklift. Oh my god. Wait. What? 16 months later, Tina's body was also found not too far from where Tom's body had been. She was found under a pile of wood at his workplace. Her cause of death had been determined as blunt force trauma. Now, there are two different theories people believe could have happened in this case. The first theory is that Tom was the one who murdered Tina. Uh, Police believe that Tom was attracted to Tina and he had orchestrated everything. So he had slashed the tires and then had happened to pull up when she needed a ride home. They don't know if maybe Tom made a move on Tina and she rejected him and then he hit her in the head and she was killed or what. Um, but what they think Tom didn't plan for was the fact that Tina had called Vicky and had been on the phone with her. Yeah. Her story, um, with her story, Tom became the main suspect with Vicky's story. Yeah. Tom became the main suspect and then when police found blood in his car, he f- felt trapped. Yeah, freaked out and- Police think he died by suicide, but made it look like a workplace accident so his wife and kids could collect insurance money. I am confused about that because from what I know of a forklift... Do you want me to wait? Yeah, we'll wait. Okay. Okay. When Tina's body had been found 16 months later at Tom's workplace, this only confirmed their suspicion of Tom. Okay. That's theory number one. one. And police's main assumption okay the second theory though was that tom also could have been a victim the police believe that tom had loaded the forklift with lumber drove it up an incline then quickly jumped out and laid in front of its path okay is that is it possible yes but it seems like it might not be achievable so yeah, it just seems very like a hard and odd way too. Yes, like I get if he was trying to make it look like a workplace accident, but I feel like that's not something that was would be reliable. Right, almost. there's just a lot of factors. Yeah, and like the other thing. So when you say crushed by a forklift, I assumed. It was the lifty part. No, the wheels. And not the wheels. Like it so, ran over. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that makes more sense to my brain. I could see that more than my first assumption because I thought like the the prongs were like lowered down onto his head. Well, my other thought is then, okay, so where was the forklift found? Was there something that he could have driven it up, hopped out of? And yeah. do you know how fast you would have had to freaking hop out and lay down and get in the right position? I mean, depending... Think about how heavy that thing is. If it's on an incline, that thing's going to immediately roll backwards. Yeah. Maybe it, just, maybe it just can't move as fast as we think it can. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, we do not have the right background for this question. No. <laughs> then there is the blood that was supposedly found in Tom's car. Police had told Tom that it was being tested. But we don't know if there was ever this was ever actually done or if it actually belonged to Tina. It just, nothing ever came of the blood. Interesting. But they did for sure find blood that wasn't just, like, a lie. Apparently, I found, everything I saw said that blood was found. Okay. Nothing I saw said there wasn't Because, as we know, police can lie sometimes about things like that to get a confession. Right. 
Um, Tom's family was actually denied the insurance money, but four years after Tom died, a judge revoked this decision and ruled that there was not enough evidence that Tom had in fact died by suicide. People who believe Tom may not have been people who believe Tom may not have been guilty think there was never was another person involved. Okay. Someone else could have killed Tina, then when Tom became the clear suspect, they killed him too. By running over his head, <laughs> making or it look like a possible suicide. Could Tom have found her body and then the other person was like, I'm going to kill you now? Or is like that really not at all a possibility? I don't know. I mean, I'm just throwing, maybe. Out, a, sure. throwing out a third theory. Why Anything the hell not? Can happen. <laughs> um, but then, so they believe he had died by suicide. But we're making it look like a suicide. Then the person moved Tina's body to Tom's workplace, a location many people believe that if Tom was the killer, he ne- would not have chosen to hide Tina's body there. No, it kind of seems like a big pointing arrow saying, yeah, I, did it, I did it, I did it. Exactly. Um, Tom's wife, Nancy, does not believe that Tom would have ever died by suicide and left her and her two kids behind. She was convinced he was framed. In... 2016 police officially closed tina's case convinced that tom was in fact the killer um so it's no longer an open investigation and that's all we have huh so did tom do it i mean i i feel like it's six of one half a dozen of the other i feel like the phone call is just the hardest thing to disprove disprove, like Mm -hmm. um you know yeah that's tough yeah because like obviously it's her best friend saying that she said that it was this person you know right so you have to take into account like would her best friend lie about that probably not i don't think she was lying i don't think anyone thinks she would lie yeah so how do you how else would you disprove that phone call you know she didn't Maybe she thought it was Tom and then it wasn't actually Tom. Maybe she saw the car, didn't see the actual person. Was like, oh, that looks like Tom's car. Never mind, Tom's here. I'll just ask him for a ride home. Yeah. That's just me just, like, yeah. reaching. Yeah, but yeah. Definitely a possibility, but... if it was dark, too. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Lots of questions with that one, that's yeah. for sure. Okay, so that was my first story. Um, the next story I'm going to tell is the story of Arnold Archambault and Ruby Brugier. On December 12, 1992, on the edge of the Yankton Sioux Indian Reserve in Lake Andres, South Dakota, a car carrying three people slid on ice and crashed into a frozen ditch. The passengers were 20-year-old Arnold uh, his girlfriend, 19-year-old Ruby, and her cousin, 17-year-old Tracy Dion. Uh, the three had spent the night prior to this drinking. Mm. The car ended up flipping and being upside down in the ditch. Tracy recalls that she remembers being upside down and looking around and Arnold not being in the car anymore. Um, and Ruby... And that's the cousin, right? Ruby's cousin? Tracy, Tracy. yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then Ruby was crying. Then all of a sudden, the door was opened a little ways, and Ruby was able to slide out. 
Um, Tracy was just about to slide out after her when the door was all of a sudden shut. So she was trapped. Huh. By the time help arrived, Tracy was the only one left in the car and Arnold and Ruby had abandoned her. Police were already searching the area for the two by daybreak. They were concerned that they had wandered off and fallen through the ice somewhere. Um, it was also cold, so yeah, that's also a... Well, and in South Dakota, have you ever been in South Dakota in the winter? I don't think you have, right? I've driven through it. So, I go to South Dakota every winter, and there are no trees in South Dakota. So, like, in Minnesota, you have, like, a barrier from the wind, and in South Dakota, there's just no barrier for the wind unless you're in the hills. So, that makes it even colder. So, that could also factor into how cold it was and how terrible it could be outside and how dangerous it could be to be outside at that time of year. Right. So. Um... Police did have a theory that the two of them may have left because they had van drinking and they didn't want Arnold to get in trouble and get a DWI. But Arnold's aunt, Karen Tuttle, doesn't believe that. She says that Arnold was not the type to hide. She said he would have come home or at least called if something like this happened, but they had never heard from him. Over the next three months, Deputy Bill Youngstrom investigated every lead possible, but nothing panned out. Then, in early March, when the spring thaw began, a motorist saw a body in a ditch just 75 feet from where the accident had occurred. It was Ruby. Um, Her glasses and both shoes were missing, but her clothes were intact. She appeared to be wearing the same clothes as the night of the accident. Her body had been badly decomposed, so it was hard to get a positive identification right away, and they had to use a tattoo on her body. At this point, the police decided to pump out the rest of the ditch, and around noon the next day, the body of Arnold was found submerged in water about 15 feet from where Ruby was. How could they have missed them for that long? But the weird thing is, Arnold's body was very well kept. His skin color was fine. He had not been frozen to the ground. His clothes were not frozen. Um, and they couldn't even be sure if the clothes he were, was wearing were the same clothes as the night of the accident. The bodies were autopsied and there was no way to determine a cause of death. But the coroner concluded that Arnold and Ruby had died by exposure. Okay. But Deputy Youngstrom suspected foul play. He says that they may have froze to death, but they didn't freeze to death in that ditch. He said over the three months they were missing, he himself had searched that ditch many times, as well as other people who had searched the ditch. He said they would have not been missed. He also says that there was a tuft of hair found along the road that was tested and found to have belonged to Ruby. He said there is no way that that tuft of hair would have stayed in that position, that place for three months. No. Deputy Youngstrom also says they found keys in Arnold's pocket. The keys had a car key and two house keys on them, but to this day, they have not been able to find where those keys go to. What? After the bodies were found, there was another new lead. A witness had claimed to have seen Arnold with three other people on New Year's Eve, which was three weeks after he was said to have gone missing. Okay. The witness did come in for a polygraph test, which they did pass. The big question is, how did Arnold and Ruby end up in the same ditch where they crashed their car three months earlier? 
Ruby's dad, Quentin, believes that the two must have died someplace else. Then they were put back into the ditch later to make it look like they're, that's where they died. To this day, we unfortunately don't have any more answers, though. Um, and that's all we have on Arnold and Ruby. Wow, that was super weird, too. Yeah. So... Especially because the rate of decomp was so different, different. between the two. Right. No, I did read some Reddit threads. Oh, dangerous. I, I know. <laughs> there weren't too many, but some people said that they think because Arnold's body was submerged in water mm-hmm. and the temperature of the water might have kept his body from decomposing as fast. I thought water decompo- helped. But I think the temperature. I suppose. Well, yeah, because like, yeah. It's like, keeping it on ice basically yeah but also okay so maybe he was submerged in water but ruby wasn't so how was ruby not seen yeah that's three months that's really weird and i don't know how deep these freaking ditches are but um from experience south dakota ditches are crazy compared to minnesota ditches okay yeah like you know how when you're going to Stillwater, some of those ditches are like straight down sure they're i mean they're they're deep okay they're straight down deep still doesn't this doesn't make sense no it doesn't because again the rate of decomp is different on both and the fact that several people walked those ditches they were in the same ditch as the car yeah and like how could that have been missed for three months they were literally 75 feet from the car yeah that is not far at all no you could see that from the car yeah and they were literally there. Um, hold on, let me see what time the car. Like what time the car crash yeah. was? Yeah, okay. it doesn't say, but it does say that before daybreak, the police were already okay searching. So it wasn't like it was like two days that no. the car was sitting there. It was like hours, literally, if that. I think it was even earlier than that because this was in the winter, so. It's still dark by, you know, like, it's 6.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's still dark in the winter. So, they could have crashed the car at 6.30 and had the police searching yeah. by 7.30, 8. Yeah. And, yeah. So, Interesting. I see why you uh, were unable to answer the, are they unsolved? Either of the questions. Yeah. Because, although technically Tina's case is solved, there are some people who still believe that it's not. That it's not <laughs> solved correctly. And on this one, this one is really weird. Is just odd. To yeah, me. this one's really weird. Yeah. It just th- it just leaves a lot of questions, like just in general, because the decomp, the same clothes or not the same clothes on him. Seeing the, him three weeks after. Yeah, and I know polygraphs aren't maybe well and maybe reliable. seeing him three weeks after because like she could have fully believed it was it was female. him. Yeah. And she would pass the polygraph. Yeah. I feel like it's harder to pass a polygraph if you're lying than it is to... Fail it if you're telling the truth. Exactly. Yeah. But still, well, she could have absolutely been convinced that it was yeah. him and then she would have passed. So... Yeah. Who knows? And then the keys... Not the being for the car. Are or his house. Yeah. Just a lot of... A lot of weird... And the hair. Yeah, yeah. And again, that tuft of hair, like I said, the the wind there is 
a whole different thing yeah. be- because there's just nothing to stop it. Right. So that tuft of hair wouldn't have lasted long. No. No way. No. So, yeah. Weird. So this one's definitely a little shorter for me, <laughs> but... Both really interesting, though. Yeah. Lots of questions. I felt like they were good stories to, to tell. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I've... I, I definitely haven't heard of either of those, so... Yeah. Interesting. Um, would love to know what others think, so... Yeah, please tell us. Because <laughs> I'm... Put some input. That'd be great. I'm puzzled. Do you want to do your yeah, sources? Yeah, right now. Perfect. Okay. My first one was medium.com, unsolved.com, Tom Cooter, unsolved.com, Arnold and Ruby, and reddit.com, unsolved mysteries. Okay. Um, uh, and all these, both these cases were featured on unsolved mysteries at oh, some point. Nice. I didn't watch the episodes. Sometimes old unsolved mysteries, I just can't. Yeah. Through. I, so yeah, I get it. If people do want to watch them, you can look them up and they are available to view. So good to know yeah um for a second i all i could think of was buzzfeed unsolved <laughs> oh i do love buzzfeed unsolved. i do too so good um our socials are mw madness podcast the group or no midwest madness podcast group it's been a week three weeks three weeks <laughs> um mw madness podcast on instagram and i think it's midwest madness pod on twitter and then our um, email is the same as our Instagram. Cool. So, um, yeah. So again, thanks for being understanding and last flexible, week. and yeah, and we appreciate it. Hopefully, we won't have to do that any time soon. But things happen. Yep, life happens. So. Yep. Um, cool. You guys have a great rest of your week, and we will talk to you next Tuesday. Bye. <laughs>